Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
It's good to see you this morning. I'm hoping that you've got a good uh, Labor Day weekend going on uh, in your life. I know a lot of folks are out of town and uh, enjoying uh, some Labor Day holidays, so let's be in prayer for them as they're perhaps traveling. Uh, just uh, one announcement really this morning. Deacons, don't forget that at the conclusion of the service today, we're going to have a short meeting, all right? And then for you, uh, I want to ask you to be in prayer because this is what we're going to be talking about in our meeting in part. But our plan, our goal is in October uh, to uh, begin uh, some more reopening, particularly of our Sunday school classes for our kids. And then on Wednesday night for our children's program to get that going again. Uh, we've already opened back up for adults pretty much and our youth have been doing some things. So uh, it hopefully Sunday morning and then Wednesday, provided that the next uh, month here, September, uh, goes well. Continue to pray for our school systems and for our kids. I think that the, a lot of them have been going like one or two days a week, but this week they start every day, right? So this is the big test to see how things are going to go. So continue to pray for administrators, our schools, uh, and our community as a whole that uh, uh, the bottom doesn't drop out, uh, but uh, if it doesn't, and we're praying it won't, then in October we're going to begin some things together. Also, I think the kids have got a fellowship uh, uh, planned, uh, uh, an activity planned the 1st of October. There's uh, going to be a bike and trike uh, that's going to be taking place on that first Sunday in October, and then if everything's looking good at the end of October, we want to do an outside fellowship, do our trunk and treat, and our fall picnic where we can kind of get outside. So 
Anyway, that, that'd be great, wouldn't it, to kind of get back to fellowshipping a little bit and doing some things together. So be in prayer for that. Let's also remember uh, our offering this morning. I know that you've been faithful. Continue to, uh, to send that in. Do it online. Mail it in. However that you need to get it here, we'll make sure that uh, it's uh, taken care of and, and goes uh, as it's supposed to go. But let's have a word of prayer, and we'll open up our service this morning. Father, we thank you for just the blessings of your love and grace. Today's a beautiful day. The weather's just picture perfect. Uh, the temperatures are great, and it's a wonderful weekend. And we know many people uh, are out, off enjoying uh, this uh, Labor Day holiday. We pray for safe travels for our friends, family, and community, uh, folks who are uh, enjoying uh, a break. We pray, Lord, uh, for uh, not only that, but we pray for our schools. Uh, this uh, week is going to be a major reopening in our school system. We pray, Lord, that uh, all of the COVID worry and concerns, uh, Lord, can just simply uh, uh, subside and things continue to get back to normal. We know, Lord, that uh, there is the promise of, and the thought that maybe a vaccine uh, is just around the corner. We continue to pray for that. But do, Lord, take care of our teachers and our kids and our administrators as they uh, make this first step back to uh, opening things back up. And then, Lord, help us as a church continue to be faithful uh, and prudent to do what is wise and smart. And, Lord, just to guide us through these times of these uh, uh, worrisome waters, Lord. We pray that we can get back to the things that we enjoy doing together and the things that have been so profitable uh, by bringing people uh, to you. And Lord, we know that uh, ministering into our community in that way is so important. We pray for that. We want to be able to minister to our children, our youth, our families, and, and Lord, to every age group in our church. And uh, those that are hurting, those that are uh, in need of prayer this morning, we lift up uh, them to you. Also this morning, Father, we pray uh, and thank you for the offering that uh, is sent in and given. We also pray, Lord, help us to be faithful in, in uh, using the the things that you provide to us and give to us and being worthy stewards. Lord, be with the worship this morning. Draw us close to you. Just guide us in our thoughts and in our praise and in our worship. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. The youth will be going to do paintball next Sunday. We'll leave here about 2.15 and we'll do paintball from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock. We're not going to go eat or anything, just do the paintball. That'll be $30 for the the paint and then the, the protective gear that they'll give us. But I, I've got a question for you before we sing this next song, and we're going to answer this after this song. So be thinking of what your favorite characteristic of God is, and I'm going to ask, I want some answers when we get done with this song. But uh, answers why you love to hear the name of Jesus. Won't you stand with us as we sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus. There is a name I love to hear. I love
tell me, what is your favorite characteristic of God? Amen. The, the, I ask the youth this question all the time. Somebody has to tell me what's your, your favorite characteristic of God. Mercy. One, merciful, grace, forgiveness. That's mine. Every morning I get up and I think, Lord, thank you for, for the forgiveness that you give me because I know I'm going to do something stupid to, to mess it up today. And I thank you for your... <laughs> I don't need your help, snake boy. <laughs> but... The, the writer of this next song we're going to do, 10,000 Reasons, he said that if, if there's a, something you can't get up and, and thank God for, if there's some reason you can't come up with to thank God when you get up in the mornings and you're going through your day, that we need to examine our spiritual health and see that we're walking correctly with the Lord. Uh, 10,000 Reasons. the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. The sun
Now, this, this I answered the question a lot more than y'all did, so I'll ask y'all this, this question. What is the first Bible verse that you learned as a child? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved. Y'all sing this with us. We've done it before as a band, but we invite you to sing with us today. Come all you weary, come all you
thank you that you loved us so much. Uh, there's nothing that we can do to repay all the kindness that you've shown us, the blessings you've given us, the forgiveness, the mercy, the grace, all the characteristics that everyone was naming off earlier, Lord. There's nothing that we can do to repay that. It is simply by your grace that you save us and your mercy. And we can never, uh, again, we can never say thank you enough. We love you for who you are, for what you've done in our life, Lord, and that's your promise you'll never leave us or forsake us, Lord. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Take your Bible and open to John 3. John 3. We're going to be there in just a little bit. I want to read some other passages for you uh, that are kind of our focal passages. But we'll be in John 3. That's the largest section that we're going to be in. We finished our series uh, last week, our apologetic series. And uh, I didn't really think that we would be into another series so, so quickly, but we are. Uh, you know, the hardest thing about preaching really is what preachers would call the what next, what comes next. Uh, I'm usually, for, for your understanding, I'm usually a week ahead of you guys. Even though I'm preaching the message today, my mind has really already moved on to what's coming next week. And that's kind of the way that I guess you, you, you learn to operate as a preacher because you, you do all the stuff that you need to do to put the message together, but it takes uh, time to kind of come up with that next thought that God has for you. And so it just seems to work out that I'm about a week ahead of where you are at. And this message really is a week behind that next message. The series that I want us to get into really begins next week, but yet this message this morning uh, is a precursor to that. And we need to kind of do some self-assessment. Uh, we were talking about that uh, this morning. And, and we're going to do some self-assessment. Then we're going to give the lesson kind of like teachers. And then at the end, we're going to go back and assess where we really are. But I, I, as I was reading this week and just doing some of my own study, I came across uh, an interesting thought. And it was on the heart of Jesus and his heart for us. But before we get to that thought about Jesus' heart, and we're going to look uh, at that for several weeks, I want us to think about our own heart, and of course, loving him, as God's word says, with all of our heart. Let me give you three passages real quickly. Uh, uh, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God. Now listen to this, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And then it's reinforced, and it's, it's told us again in Matthew, Jesus is asked, you know, what is the great commandment? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to them in Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This, Jesus says, is the greatest and first commandment. In Mark's gospel, we also have that reminder, uh, Mark 12, verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and all your strength. Everyone knows 
what is meant when you use the word heart. Have you ever thought about that? For example, if you say, I have a change of heart, that means now you're thinking differently. If you were to say, well, she gave me her heart, that would mean what? That she's in love with you. If you were to say, well, guys, she broke my heart, what does that mean? Well, it means she no longer loves you. You might say uh, someone's heart was in the right place, and you would know what was meant by that. What would be meant? Well, someone's messed up, but at least they meant right by what they were doing. You might uh, say about your friends that uh, they speak from the bottom of their hearts. And that means what? That they, they tell the truth. They're telling the truth. Your children might from time to, say, time to time say to you, Mom and Daddy, I cross my heart. And what might that mean? That means that they might be telling the truth this time. Sometimes we don't have the heart to tell someone the truth. We might take something to heart. That means what? We're listening well. We might know it by heart. That means we remember it well. Uh, we might say someone has a heart of gold. That means they're a kind person. Uh, you might say about your sports team, they lost heart. Well, that means what? They gave up. Or you might say, man, they showed heart. heart. That they, they rallied and came back when they were down. Uh, you can wear your heart on your sleeve. That means you're kind of transparent. People know what you think and how you feel. Uh, you can put your heart into it. That means you have a passion that is obvious. You can be called lion-hearted. That means you're courageous. Or you might be called chicken-hearted, which means you're spineless. Uh, you can be called cold-hearted. That means you're unloving. Uh, other times, you can be called light-hearted. You might even be accused of uh, being half-hearted. In other words, you don't put everything into it. Or you might be whole-hearted in your endeavors in life. Uh, you can be hard-hearted. That just simply means that uh, you just don't feel anything at all. And everyone who's important to you is what? Dear to your heart. And everything that is important to you, you keep secured and locked away where? In your heart of hearts. Now, if you didn't catch anything there, let me give it to you. The heart's pretty important, isn't it? We use it for a lot of different thoughts and ideas and expressions in and about life, how we live life and how others live life. So the heart's important. And that word appears in our daily conversations and our thoughts about ourselves and about others. As a matter of fact, it's so very important that we even tend to put it on our bumpers. Like, for example, I heart fishing. All right, some of you guys might have that on there, right? So a heart is pretty important. Did you know this word heart is used 975 times in the Bible, All, just a little under a thousand times do you find the word heart being spoken of. It's used another 89 times in another sense of the word. So really over about a thousand different times in the Bible. It's one of the most common words in the word of God that we hear the heart being spoken of. I'm fortunate enough to have in my uh, library, the digital library that I have on my computer, uh, several different preachers in their sermons. For example, uh, I have all of the works of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of old. 
And I was, as I was kind of looking on the topical search and uh, survey of the heart, uh, I was amazed to find out that Charles Haddon Lee Spurgeon uh, had preached on the heart 66 times in some form or fashion. Thought that was pretty remarkable. And, and then I looked down to, of course, one of my favorite pastors uh, and preachers, uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers. Uh, and in his library, he had only preached on the heart nine times. Now, I don't know what that tells us or what that means, but I think it does say this, that it can or cannot be a major focus in our life, but yet the heart is important. And when we come to these key passages, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, what Jesus has to say about the greatest commandment is that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart. And so I want us to think about loving God this morning with all our heart. And I want to just say on the outset that this is not a one-way street. It is not just you and I love God, but it is a love that has been returned. Actually, it's not returned. It's been given first. Christ died for us before the foundations of this world. God loved us. You could almost say that God so loved the world, He created God knew that man would fail. God knew that man would, would uh, reject him and rebel and, and would be a rebel. And God knew in order to save man, it would cost him his own son. And knowing all of that, God still what? Created. Knowing all of that, God still gave man free choice, a free will to love him or to reject him. It's not a one-way street. Now, when we read the Bible, we discover that God loves us. His word is his love letter to us. And, and, and this is important. Uh, if it's important that Jesus says it is important, and it's, it's more important than we could ever begin to imagine or understand it, we need to understand then what is at the heart of the heart of our God? What is at the heart of our Lord who loves us. And I really think that as Christians, we, we fail to understand what God wants us to understand about His heart. Oz Guinness, who is a well-known Christian apologist, uh, said this, that the biblical understanding of the heart and our modern understanding of the heart are almost opposite. In other words, what the Bible means by heart and what you and I think about the heart are on two different ends of the spectrum. For example, today the heart is understood to refer to as the person's emotion, as a person's emotions, you know, how we feel. You know, we talk about the heart and it, 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 it's all about emotions. Yet biblically, what we're going to see as we go through this series is that the heart refers to the whole person. It's not just how they feel, but it's how they think. It's also how they behave. Today, most Christians align the heart with the warm emotional side of life. But the truth is it goes far beyond that. Think about it. God has given us words, for example, like soul or spirit or conscience. And all of these words reveal to us what we are to be or how we're to behave as God's image bearer. But when we come to the word heart and we look at Scripture about what God says about His heart and about our heart, we find that there's a, a, a much more diverse meaning at stake. And I was thinking, you know, how can I illustrate what I'm talking about here to you? 
And so I said, well, you know, there's another word that I'd read about that I think is a good illustration of what I'm talking about. It's the word snow. Now, when I say the word snow, most all of us here, particularly in the South, we think about snow in really just one thought, all right? That white, wet stuff that falls and, and sticks to the ground, and we make snowmen and all of that. But did you know that if you lived in the northern place, uh, the northern parts of Alaska uh, and in Canada, that you would find there are many different words or terms for that word snow. A lot of their words speak to the very texture of the snow, the type of snow that they have. If you lived in Russia or Scandinavia, you would find there's over 180 words for the white stuff called snow, all right? So where you're living and, 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 and the culture you're in can make a difference. Well, when you come to the Bible, it's a lot like that. When you come to the Bible and you see this word heart, it's a lot like that word snow. We need to ask ourselves, what is going on here? What is God saying here? What's the fuller meaning of that word? And I think that's the challenge for us. It's really the challenge anytime we come to Scripture. How can we get our arms around the fuller meaning of the text? And in particular for us, the fuller meaning of that word, heart. I think it's, if it's possible that we can do that, if we can get our arms around the word heart, I think we can also then get our arms more around Jesus and understanding him. And that's where this series is going to go. Next week, we're really going to jump into the thought of the heart of Jesus. And we're going to look in Matthew next week, and we're going to talk about the verse. Uh, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are laden uh, and uh, heavy burden, I will give you rest. And, you know, we read that verse, and we see all we typically see is ourselves, our burdens, our, our hurts, our pains, our frustrations. But in that verse, Jesus says, For I am lowly, and humble of heart. It's the only place in Scripture, and we'll talk about this next week, where Jesus opens up his heart to us. And it's where Jesus says, this is who I am. You want to know who I am? This is me. I'm lowly and meek of heart, humble of heart. It's a fascinating thought. And Jesus says, that's who I am. And when you accept Jesus as Savior, that's who we're accepting the one who is lowly and meek of heart. But I think before we can understand Jesus, who is our great example, we got to understand who we are. We need to do some self-assessing. Uh, 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 what does my heart look like? And we read it this morning, so I want to ask you the question, do you love him with all your heart? Well, let me give you two thoughts this morning. Number one, our heart must share that inner connection with Jesus. Here's the good news moving forward. God loves you. God loves you with all his heart. With all his heart, he loves you. And God's greatest desire is that we're able to connect back to him with that heart. That we're able to connect back to him in that self-same love. You know, how do we connect back to God? I like what uh, Craig Troxell says in his book, uh, With All Your Heart. He says, what the physical heart is to the body for health, the spiritual heart 
is for the soul in holiness. And then he says, as goes the heart, so goes the man in its helm of the ship. In other words, you want to know where you are with God? Well, where's your heart with God? How does your heart love God? How does your heart, your heart feel about God? The Old Testament uh, uh, covenant recognized that the spiritual relationship with God begins from within. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs says, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. If you're going to have real life, it comes from within. It comes from the heart. We're called to guard our heart, to know our heart, to understand our heart. You know, the heart is a symbol of that secret inner life. You know, only you and only God really knows your heart. But yet others can say they can sense your heart. Others can say they can speak of your heart because what? They can observe our behavior. You see, if our heart is right, our life is right. But if our heart is not right, our life probably isn't right. And how do we get it right? How do we make sure it's right? Well, first of all, we've got to make sure that our heart is clean, that it's been cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus, that it has the indwelling of the Spirit of God. Scripture makes it real clear uh, that our inner heart is connected to our behavior. Psalm 24, verses uh, 3 and 4, we learn that the clean hands and a pure heart are forever linked together. Listen to what the psalmist says. Uh, who shall stand in his holy presence? He who is clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. The problem is we're not born with a clean heart. The problem is we're all born broken. We're all born in a broken relationship with God. We are all disconnected from God. Listen to what Jesus said himself about the spiritual condition of mankind. Matthew 15, verses 18 through 20. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slanders. These are the things that bring defilement, Jesus says. But where does it come from? On the inside. We're broken when we're born. We're disconnected from God. When Jesus was on earth, he had a, 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 a fellow once come and visit him at night. You know, and I asked you earlier to open to John 3. When you get to John 3, uh, most of the time we think of John, what, 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But John 3 is much more than that. It's really the story of a man named Nicodemus. Look in verses uh, uh, 1 through 3 here. Uh, John 3, verses 1 through 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus. He came by night. He wanted to come in secrecy because he's talking about the secret things of his heart. And he wanted to have that private moment with Jesus. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. 
And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is an interesting man. Matter of fact, I didn't realize it until I was studying it this week. And I've preached on him before, but his name is a rather interesting name. His name actually means superior. And we're told that Nicodemus was a superior man. He was a ruler of the Jews. But he wasn't just a, a ruler of the Jews. He was a very righteous man. He was a man that was a good man. He was a very moral man. But Jesus said, Nick, you've got a problem. You need to be born again. Friend, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter whether you're a Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Roman, Catholic, Jew, doesn't matter. You must be born again. I want to ask you this question. This is the most important question we'll ask today. Do you know that you know that you know that you know that you have been born again? Jesus didn't say, you know, Nicodemus, this is optional. Jesus didn't say, Nicodemus, this is preferred. Jesus didn't say, Nicodemus, you know, it might be something you ought to think about. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? Look at verses 5 and 7, or 5 through 7. And so uh, Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of, uh, of water and the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Jesus says, if, you, if you're going to be born again, this is what must happen. And so Jesus begins to, uh, uh, to say here, you need to be born of the water, and you need to be born of the Spirit. He connects new birth with those two things. Well, think for a moment about what it is to have a new birth in Christ, or in just a new birth to, be, to begin with. A new birth involves, first of all, conception. If there is to be a baby, there has been a conception. There has been a change to take place. There has been what we call a miracle moment of conception between a, a father and a mother. And Jesus says in verse 5, these two things are necessary, water and spirit, the Holy Spirit. Those two elements are necessary. Now, time doesn't permit us, and, and I want to say to you, Jesus is not saying here that, Nicodemus, you've got to be baptized. Some folks have read this as baptism. Uh, just understand that that's not what Jesus is talking about here. What Jesus is talking about here is the Word of God when he talks about the water. And in the Bible, we, we see where the Word of God is discussed as the, the, the or water is talked as uh, of, of the Word of God. For example, we were singing just earlier, uh, let all those who come to me who thirst drink of that heavenly water. And, and Jesus stood and he cried. And, you know, it said, I am the living water, all right? So uh, understand that what Jesus is saying here is, Nicodemus, a miracle must take place first by the Word of God. And he's likening it to water. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So there's a moment of conception. A miracle has taken place. 
Why do we still preach? So that the miracle of the conception of a new birth can take place in the lives of people. We stand and we proclaim, thus saith the Lord, that the prayer is that those who don't know Christ can have that moment where the Word of God has sprung to life inside and faith, that which they didn't believe in before, they now believe in, has happened. A miracle has happened. But a new birth also involves creation. Now let me just say something else. Jesus tried to uh, or used the figure of birth uh, not only because it talks about conception, but because he talks about the creation aspect of it. In other words, the impartation of life. How do little babies get here? You know, they don't come from baby factories. They come from mamas and daddies. What do parents do? They impart to that baby a life, a new life. The life is first in the parents. And then from the parents comes the life of that child. It is a marvelous, miraculous, miracle thing to see. Life is given. Where does spiritual life come from? Where does life in, in every essence really come from? God. He is the life giver. God is the custodian of life. The Bible says in John 1, 4, in him was life and it was the light of men. Now, even the birth of a baby in the natural realm is a, miracle, uh, is a miraculous thing. But when you get to the spiritual realm, it's even more marvelous. There is this impartation of life that happens. And so when he talks about the spirit, he's talking about this creation of a new life, the impartation of a new life. So here it is, the word of God has sprung the life in a person and the Spirit of God is now breathing in a new person in a spiritual new life way. So first of all, our heart must share that inner connection with Jesus. What does it mean to love Jesus with all our heart? It means this. First of all, you've got to have a relationship with Him. You have got to be born again. And if you're not born again, you've never had a moment where you've come to Christ and had a new birth in Christ, dear friend, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot love him with all your heart. And you cannot and will not understand what it is that he loves you with all your heart or with all his heart. All right, number two, how do we love him with all our heart? is our heart shows an outer connection with Jesus. You see what we're doing here? We're doing exactly what the psalmist says. Pure hands and a clean heart. Talking about that which is on the inside, living out. Our heart shows we're connected with Jesus in at least two ways. There's a new birth that involves character. There's conception, life has begun. There's creation, life is given. Now, character is taking form. We are partakers of a new nature. Our life has a new nature. Whose life is it? It's the life that has been given by way of the parents. And now this new life will take on a new nature. Now, as hard as it might be to confess, as hard as it might be to admit, we tend to be what? Like our parents. I mean, when we're young, and particularly when we're teenagers, we don't want anything to do with mom and dad. 
Ah, I ain't going to be like them. I'm not going to act like them. I'm not going to sound like them. But just wait a few years for some of you younger ones. Because what's going to happen, you, you, it starts out in your 20s, and one day you'll, you'll say something, you'll do something, and you just like, man, it sounds like my dad. Man, it sounds like my mama. And I want to tell you something. The older you get, the more you, you, you behave like mom and dad and sound like mom and dad. And we, we just take their character, and it gets kind of somehow uh, miraculously transferred upon us, and, and we live it out, and we've just become little versions or older versions now of our mom and our dad. Uh, it's amazing. The studies have been done, uh, been done for uh, children that didn't even know their original mom and dad. And years later, they, they, they would come to find who their mom and dad were and discover who they were, and they'd be amazed at the little things that they still share, even though they never grew up with them as a parent. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's something that, 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 that I think is just unique in our genes that we pass on to each other. But when you're born again as a Christian, what? You take on a divine nature. You know, you who were broken become a new creature. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, listen to what Peter says. By which he granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become, listen, partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. We have a divine nature. What's the sign of that divine nature? We live differently. We, we have a different character. We now seek to live to the glory of God. Our, our work, our life, our being, our existence stops being about us and it's about God. That's what it is to love God with all your heart. So follow the sequence. There's conception, there's creation, there's character, and there's one more. New birth involves commencement. It, it, it's a new start. It, it's something new. It's brand new. You know, one of the great things about babies is that when a baby is born, for the baby there's only tomorrows. Now, the older you get, the less true that becomes. But for a baby, there's only tomorrows. A baby doesn't have any yesterdays. You know, one of the things you'll never see in life is uh, a police officer or a state trooper or a sheriff or a deputy sheriff showing up to a maternity ward to arrest the baby. I mean, because the baby hasn't done anything yet, hasn't committed any crimes yet, haven't broken the law yet in any way. Now, let's face it, they're innocent. As a matter of fact, when you look at a baby, you're usually staring in the face of innocence, aren't you? You ever thought about that? Oh, how sweet, how precious, how, how innocent they are, the little babies. Now, you give them time, they grow up, and they, you know, they begin to wonder and might become guilty of things. But a child is born with no yesterdays. Uh, there's no uh, uh, anything holding them uh, uh, back. It's only tomorrow. Listen, when you are a child of God, when you have had a new birth, you're like a new baby in Christ. No matter what you've done in your past, those things have been forgiven. Those things have been cleansed. The Bible says in Micah 7, 19, Thou wilt cast all their sins in the depths of the sea. It says in Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And then in Isaiah 38, verse 17, thou hast, called my, thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back, Isaiah says. 
And in Hebrews 8, 12, their sins and their iniquities, God says, I will remember no more. Hallelujah. Amen. God sees our sins no more because we are a new creature in Christ. It means now what? I am free to love God with all my heart. My sins aren't holding me back. My sins aren't holding me down. Come to the foot of the cross. Come with all your addictions as we sang earlier. Come with all your sins. Come with all your hangups. Come with all your failures and give them to Jesus. And he'll set you free. That's what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. There needs to be something that's happened on the inside. And there needs to be something that can be seen on the outside that says what happened on the inside is real. There's an inner connection and there is an outer connection. Let me just close with this. I was reading this book uh, this week, Max Licato's book, Just Like Jesus. And uh, in his introduction, in his opening, he, he asked this question. And I want it to be our final thought for the morning. He says, what if for one day Jesus were to become you? What if for 24 hours Jesus wakes up in your bed, walks in your shoes, lives in your house, assumes your schedule? Your boss becomes his boss. Your mother becomes his mother. Your pains become his pains. With one exception. Nothing about your life changes. Your heart doesn't change. Your circumstances uh, don't change. Your schedule isn't altered. Your problems aren't solved. One change occurs. What if for one day, one night, Jesus lives your life with his heart? Your heart gets the day off and your life is led by the heart of Jesus. His priorities govern your action. His, his passions drive your decision. His love begins to direct your behavior. What if you would be like him? Would people notice a change? Your co-workers, would they sense something different? What about the less fortunate? Would you treat them the same? And your friends, would you treat them differently? Uh, would they detect in you more joy? How about your enemies? Would they receive more mercy from Christ's heart than yours? And what about you? How would you feel? What alterations would be transparent in your life? Would your stress level change? Would your moods change? Would your temperament change? And then he goes on to ask this question. Would you still do what you had planned to do for the next 24 hours? And pause and think about it, he says. Think about your schedule, your obligations, your engagements, your outings, and your appointments. How much of your life would change if Jesus took over your heart for one day? Would anything change? And then uh, Max Licato says this, God's plan for you is nothing short than for you to have a new heart. And what that means is for you to have a new life, a new birth. Before we can grasp the heart of Jesus, here's what we need to know. Jesus, do you have a grasp on my heart? Do you own me? Have you come to Jesus with all that you have? 
Have you laid it at his feet? Have you proclaimed faith in him? Have you come to him in repentance over sin in your life? Have you given your heart to Jesus because you cannot love him with all your heart until he owns your heart and has possession of your heart? And let me say, you cannot know what it is then to be a child of God and to be loved with all his heart until you have been born again. Do you know the Lord? If not, can I say today, today can be your birthday. Have you thought about it? September the 5th, 2020 can be the day of your new birth. And do you know what else? If you come to Jesus, if you give your heart to Jesus, in that new birth, there's never an end. There's no death day, for it's all for eternity, forever His. Will you come to Jesus with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul? Heavenly Father, this morning, perhaps someone's here, someone's listening, and uh, Lord, they, they, they want to know your love, experience your love. It's missing. It's a component missing in their life. Lord, it may be someone very much like Nicodemus that to look at their life on the outside, they're superior. They, they've got it all going on. Uh, they, they've got everything in life seems to be working, but on the inside, the confession is something's missing. Something's not right. And, and just in that secret moment, in that dark place, Jesus, Nicodemus asked, what must I do to have eternal life, to, to, to inherit the kingdom of God? The words need to ring out today, Jesus. You must be born again. And Lord Jesus, that's, that's a twofold thing. It's something that happens on the inside. There's, there's faith in your word, and the Spirit is activated in that faith on your word. There is a faith put, a trust put in it, and in that moment, there's a new birth. It's in that moment that our heart cries out that, Jesus, you are our Savior and you are our Lord, and we confess our sins and we, we repent of it. But then, Lord, it's beginning to live a different life because we've taken on a divine nature, because we are a changed person. Our character changes, and we begin to do things that maybe we wouldn't have thought we would have done, but we do them because now we're, we are yours, Jesus. We come and we make public our profession of faith. But we say to others that, that Jesus, you are my Lord. We, we confess you on here, here on earth, knowing that, Lord, your promise is when we do, you confess us in heaven to the Father. Lord, we began to live differently. And that difference is measured out in faithfulness to your word. And that means we have begun to love you with all our heart. And then, Lord, we can begin to grow. And we can grow in that deepness and the sweetness of the beauty of knowing your love for us. And in the weeks ahead, that's what we're going to be looking at, Jesus. So whatever decision needs to be made this morning, at this beginning moment, let us be right with you, Lord. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing if the Lord spoke. And you come. You come. We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. 
If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.